mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is it normal to be incredibly out of breath? Is it normal to have freezing cold feet? Is it normal that my tongue looks like it's been through a shredder? Is it normal to crave crushed ice? Is it normal to have unbelievably itchy nipples? Hello and welcome to Is It Normal? The Pregnancy Podcast with me, Jessie Ware. We're now at week 32 and it's starting to feel pretty real. I know I'm feeling... Well, I'm feeling quite excited about the possibility of meeting this little guy that I'm going to have, hopefully, in a few... Well, hopefully not too early, but... um, And I know I'll be bloody late, and I know you're not supposed to talk about it being late because there's supposed to be this, you know, you're not supposed to talk about it over during the baby comes when it comes, but... I'm 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 an, I'm anticipating when I hit week 40 to start getting very irritated but at the moment I'm feeling good I'm feeling excited I've still got loads of bloody acid reflux um but I hope you're all feeling well I'm joined by consultant obstetrician and gynecologist Jess McMicking to talk about some common symptoms and concerns and to explain what's happening with your baby at this stage in the pregnancy hello Jess thank you for joining me again Hi, Jessie. Thanks so much for having me. So, Jess, uh, quickly about me, because actually I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I think something that I'm feeling somewhat overwhelmed with at the moment is that cramming into the next kind of six weeks, all my work and kind of life admin and prepping for this baby. I mean, I haven't bought anything for the baby. I'm kind of hoping that, you know... I've got some stuff that my son, I mean, you know, because it's, it's the third, I've got bits and bobs. And also I think, yeah, I think compared to the first time where I had it all laid out, already probably washed, um, this time I haven't done any of that. I'm, I'm feeling quite overwhelmed with the fact that I'm just trying to cram in so much work and also trying to listen to my body, knowing that I'm starting to get tired, knowing I'm starting to not be able to do as much heavy lifting with the kids relying on my husband quite a lot he's uh, a bit of a, a star I'm very lucky to have him but that's probably it it's it's acid reflux for me and feeling a bit overwhelmed by cramming it all in before you go on this kind of version whatever version of mat leave anybody's having is that quite normal at this stage in pregnancy that's incredibly normal. I think, you know, we're not going to blame it's your third child and actually, you know, oh, well, I haven't packed my bag yet. That can still happen with number one. And actually, I think everyone's very different. Um, everyone's got different priorities. They've got different ways that they handle the pregnancy. And I would just say, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, if you're happy just to pack it last minute with your waters broken and <laughs> rush, 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 go for it. I don't, uh, I don't, 
suggest that um, for anybody, but yes. <laughs> yeah, you might you might end up remembering your clothes and not so much your babies. Uh, so yeah, from a reflux perspective, yeah, so third trimester, very, very common symptom. Um, that's because your baby's obviously growing a, a lot more, and we'll talk about that at the end. Um, but that just means that your stomach's a little bit more squashed than usual. Things are really slowing down in your digestion and so it's just really easy to get that horrible burning central type chest pain. Um, some women find it's worse at night and maybe that's just because mm, you're lying yeah. down, you're sort of a bit more sedentary on the co- uh, couch in the evening, um, but some find it during the day. There are definitely things you can take for your reflux, so don't think you have mm. to stick it out. Um, uh, Gaviscon is probably the most common over-the-counter type medication yeah. for reflux. Uh, really easy to take, but sometimes, you know what, it just doesn't cut it. And so it may be that you need to speak to your midwife, your GP or your obstetrician about having a little bit more stronger anti-reflux medication. And the one we tend to use is what's called omeprazole. Okay, fantastic. I actually just need to do that and stop complaining about it. I mean, like, <laughs> it's funny. It's not like I've had... I mean, I'm sitting, maybe whilst I'm chatting to you, I'm sitting in a bad position, which is making it feel a little like it's all coming up. But I've only had some poached eggs and toast for, it's not like I've had a fry up, do you know what I mean? Anyway, I will go and get some Gaviscon after I chat to you. (laughs) Another thing that I forgot to add is that I've had my whooping cough jab. I think I was kind of, I don't really know how it works, but I think they recommend it usually between 28 to 32 weeks. So I'm... I, I'm cut, I was cutting it fine. Does it really matter if you do it over 32 weeks? Why is it given that period of time? Yeah, it's a really good question. To, to be honest, I mean, what they're trying to do is obviously catch the majority of women before they have their baby, number one, because, you know, leaving it too late, you might get into that sticky water where it is just a little bit, you know, close to birth, you forget about it, you know, baby's here, it's all done and dusted. So it's a really good opportunistic time. In saying that, you also want your body to build up that resistance before the baby comes. So yes, if you can try to remember it, put it in your diary, put it, you know, as an alert. Um, the midwives also are very good at reminding you but just trying to get that in um, is best practice now enough of me because actually i'm i'm all right um we've got some other uh, pregnant people that have given us some voice notes about some of their concerns around the week of week 32 hello my name is ella and i have a question about cesareans um so i had a cesarean for my first birth in october 2019 and i'll have one this time round. One thing I do think about is if it will take my body longer to recover after having a second caesarean, or is it just dependent on your general health as to how quickly your body recovers? It would be great to get your thoughts on this. Yes, thanks Ella for your question. Really good question. I'm sure this resonates with a lot of women out there. Uh, From a caesarean point of view, you've brought up a really good thing, and this would be after, you know, the birth of any second child, no matter what mode of delivery. It's sort of what, what recovery can we expect Um, If we want to talk specifically about caesarean sections for this one, what we know is having a second caesarean section, um, it's obviously a second surgery and a second major abdominal surgery. So um, for those that may not know, the caesarean section, you sort of, you know, put an incision on your abdomen, you know, rummage in, get the baby out, stitch everything back up. So you are going through multiple layers of your lower abdomen. Mm. What we find with is when you go to have your second caesarean, there's obviously a little bit of scarring because that tissue's all had to heal and whatnot. And so what we can see is once someone has a second operation, sometimes there's a little bit more pain associated with it. 
Um, things have got to heal again. And so, yes, the recovery can be a little bit slower. But also, I think a key thing that we've got to keep in the back of mind is you've got a toddler running around at home. Mm -hmm. So actually, your recovery naturally is going to be a little bit more different. Um, And what we've got to keep in mind is not overdoing it. Because obviously, you've got a little child you want to pick up, you've got a newborn baby you want to pick up as well. And it's just keeping those things in the back of your mind. Because yes, we want your recovery to be uncomplicated. From a um, perspective of how long will it take, it's really an individual, you know, dependent type um, answer. What we know for good recovery is, um, first of all, if we look at, you know, the body itself, you know, your catheter, which is that little balloon that sits in your bladder, that will be removed day one following the birth of your baby. That then encourages you to get out of bed and go to the toilet. So it's that early mobilization that actually is the key for you having what we call an enhanced recovery. Um, in addition, you know, taking your pain relief tablets will keep pain under control and encourage you to move around more. Um, so that's also a key thing. And then from a diet perspective, we actually say following your cesarean, that would be the same with any birth is, you know, starting to eat as you need, you know, sips of water, getting your gastrointestinal tract going, that will also help your body um, recover well. So we have another voice note, and this one is from Sasha. Hey, my name's Sasha, and I'm pregnant with my first baby. We're going to be having a planned caesarean um, in order to bring our little one into the world. And the two things I'd really love to learn a bit more about are breastfeeding tips for after you've had a c-section and also any advice around recovery post-surgery thank you sasha yeah that's something that actually i think we breastfeeding will probably do a special episode on postnatally but jess can you help with any of those concerns that sasha's got Sure. Um, so, you know, Sasha's a woman who's elected as part of her birth plan to have a planned cesarean section. Um, and so this is what we find these days. Women are encouraged to choose a birth plan that they feel safe and comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So all the very best, Sasha, in your journey. From your specific questions perspective, so first of all, you um, talked about uh, feeding the baby and the recovery. And so what uh, probably the way to answer this question is, first of all, so What we try and do um, these days and probably traditionally what we've always done is obviously a cesarean section is a different type of birth, but we are still um, achieving what any type of birth sets out to do. So in particular, what that would involve is early skin to skin, you know, delayed cord clamping, really trying to help facilitate breastfeeding or the, the couple's choice in feeding the individual. And so those sorts of things are really important. And it's something that we can do even within that operative room where you're having your surgery. Mm. Um, once your baby's delivered out of your abdomen or the sunroof, as I like to say, is that there is time then as us as obstetricians that we you know, s- close or suture up the layers of your abdomen for you to have that bonding time with your baby. And so your midwife, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in future episodes, how we can help facilitate those feeding um, preferences. From a recovery point of view, so there's a lot of key things we need to think about um, when we look at our body. And the one that we all obviously think about is pain and what's going to happen after your baby. Uh, Your anaesthetist and your obstetrician, their priority is obviously following the surgeries to get your pain under control. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to prescribe you a range of medication which are all completely safe um, in your pregnancy and breastfeeding. Um, And those medications will be there to help control um, the pain. 
what happens is you generally go home on tablets for the pain relief as well. And what I always say is definitely take them because if you can be pain free, this is going to encourage you to move around, mm. you know, help, you know, mobilize around your house. It's going to, you know, make you want to hold your baby, feed your baby, all those sorts of things. Um, and so pain control is definitely an important thing. From a body recovery perspective, so we know that obviously it's an operation, there's layers that have been sutured or closed. And so what we say is you have to take it easy for six weeks. And the reason we say six weeks is because of the, you know, the extent of this abdominal surgery. Um, and so what we say is, uh, please don't carry anything heavier than your newborn child. So, you know, no mm. laundry baskets, no shopping, um, all those things you can find a volunteer or your partner mm -hmm. um, or a willing family member to do those for. From uh, if we look further at the body, a digestive point of view, um, it's really important following your cesarean section that you get your digestive tract going. And so eating and drinking following the surgery is definitely encouraged. We don't say, oh, wait until the next day. Actually, you are allowed to eat little bits following your surgery. Um, sometimes you might not necessarily feel like much. And so that's fine. You know, having a little snack or something will just ensure that your stomach and your bowels get working soon after. So we've just heard from Sasha that we believe it's an elective C-section and there's lots of words that get added on to C-sections. There's kind of the elective C-section, emergency C-section, C-section, which can, I guess, scare a lot of people if you've got an emergency put in front of you. Um, and, you know, there's many different reasons people get C-sections. Firstly, let's go through elective C-section. Why would somebody maybe opt for a C-section? Yeah, sure. So elective caesarean sections, they're designed to deliver a baby, you know, uh, not through the vaginal canal, but rather through the mother's abdominal wall. So there are reasons why, as obstetricians, we would recommend a caesarean section. And that can be when the baby's in an unusual position. So it may be that the baby's sideways, so transverse, or it has its bottom presenting or its feet presenting first. Um, it may be safer um, in some circumstances to deliver the baby by caesarean. Other reasons may be, um, uh, from an elective perspective, if a woman's had a caesarean section before and that's what she's chosen to do again, or she's had more than one before, um, it can be because the mother's had previous surgery on her abdomen. And so actually that, that's the right thing to do by her as well. But there is a cohort of women, um, uh, such as Sasha, who choose to have a cesarean section. And that can be for all sorts of reasons. And I think as individuals, we have to respect their decisions. So in particular, some women um, suffer from what's called tocophobia, where they fear childbirth. Mm. Um, and that, that can be really serious and can be quite daunting and make one feel very apprehensive during their pregnancy. So this cohort of women may, for that reason, decide that that's the best mode of delivery they wish to have. Others may just fear the risk of trauma to their perineums or their pelvic floor. Um, or they might just feel that that's what they're comfortable with. And so, you know, there, there is a whole spectrum now of why someone may have what we call an obstetrically indicated caesarean or whether a mother chooses to have that. I mean, I, a few examples of um, people that I know that have had C-sections um, an elective C-sections. One had that, what's it, tocophobia. Is it tocophobia? Yeah, tocophobia. Um, yeah, and yeah. she actually said it really prevented her wanting to even get pregnant for a very long time because she was so scared yeah. of childbirth. And um, so she had an elective C-section, went really well. She's got now got a one-year-old. Another friend of mine had such a traumatic first birth, she didn't want to go through that again. So she decided to have a C-section second time. So yeah, there's, um, but it's it's very interesting to note that, the mother, the pregnant person does have a choice in how they give birth, Jess. 
Yeah, and I think this is something that's becoming more and more apparent these days because I think, and I'd like to think traditionally this happened, but actually I think together we worked in a pregnancy now. So it's, you know, the mother, um, you know, her partner, her surrounding family, us as midwives, obstetricians, GPs, we Mm. all work together. And actually uh, we're finding that actually women feel like they have a voice more Mm. um, in their pregnancy and their birth plan. And it's so important, um, uh, you know, that you may be based at a hospital where they may not encourage, um, you know, maternally request cesarean sections, but that's something definitely to bring up with your team that's looking after you. And what they will just do is explore the rationale behind your decisions. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk about emergency C-sections. It sounds very dramatic. Um, Can you take us through a usual example of when an emergency C-section may happen? Yeah, so you are right. Emergency compared to planned or elective, Mm, it sounds very drop everything and run. To be really honest with you, it's really rare that we drop everything and take off a theatre and grab things along the way, similar to what you see on TV programmes. But um, emergency caesarean sections covers a huge spectrum. So what we say is, an emergency is when the decision is that, you know, we need to get this baby out. And, you know, it might be that we have 12 hours. It mm-hmm. might be that we only have two hours. It mm-hmm. might be that we say, you know, within 90 minutes, there's a whole spectrum. Now, reasons can be because something's happened that has changed that. So in particular, it can be because the baby's upset or what we term fetal distress, where we see an unusual pattern maybe in a baby's heart rate. It might be that this baby's not growing at all or something's really concerning. And actually, we have a time-limited spectrum of where we need to deliver the baby safely. Another thing is a woman may not necessarily progress in labor. So it's what we call, you know, and I hate this term, and I'm sure it will change in time, but failure to progress. I don't think it's failure, but it's just, there's been a 
slower progress than what's anticipated. Mm. Um, the labour can become um, obstructed. A woman can develop what we call sepsis in labour, where she's developed an infection. There's a change in the environment the baby's sitting in, and actually the obstetricians recommend this baby should be delivered, you know, within the next, mm. you know, uh, so time. Um, there's there's a whole spectrum. There's also those key key emergencies, which are the really really scary ones um, uh, that you do hear on occasion, and they're words such as cord prolapse or placental abruption, and all those um, scary things where you know the mm. cord can come out first, or a woman starts bleeding. And yes, they are what we call the urgent um, emergency ones. But I think the key here is that emergency caesarean section does refer to a whole spectrum. And as mm -hmm. I said, it's rare that you get the scary, scary ones. Um, but what it just means is actually we need to, you know, speed up um, and expedite the delivery of your baby. Thanks, Jess. So there's another option, which I've only just understood what it actually means, because uh, it's abbreviated. You hear about VBACs. Can you explain what a VBAC is? Yeah, so VBAC, um, and we love acronyms in obstetrics, but a VBAC <laughs> is vaginal birth after caesarean section. And actually, some people are now just calling it BACs, which is birth after caesarean section. So, you know, there's obviously terminology changes with time. What it refers to is after a, a one caesarean section and less common, but can be allowed after two caesarean sections, a woman um, elects to go for a planned vaginal delivery. So when we see and we'll refer to for this scenario, it's someone who's had one caesarean section before. Okay. But when we see a woman who plans to have a vaginal birth, what we quote in um, the UK is that her chances of achieving that are sort of roughly between 60 and 70%. Now, what it always comes down to, obviously, you've got to keep it at the back of mind is, well, why did you need to have a caesarean section in the first place? Because, you know, if you think about it logistically wise, was it because the baby was humongous or it got stuck or things like that? But generally, and as we spoke before about the reasons one may have to have a cesarean section is, you know, the baby could be around the wrong way for the first baby. And actually in the second pregnancy, you know, your baby's head down, it's the perfectly behaved second child. And actually it does seem quite feasible then to try and go for a, a vaginal birth. Um, and so uh, what would always happen is if you were electing to do this sort of pathway for your pregnancy is during your pregnancy, you would obviously um, speak with your midwife who would then refer you to your obstetrician and what we then do is go through your history and say yep this seems like a really great idea we're happy to support you in this and what we'd also do is then talk about your birth plan and what the risks would be obviously having had a previous cesarean section. So a, a mate of mine ha had a c-section on her first birth and there's a certain time where they suggest that you don't get pregnant again because of I guess the fact that you had a major surgery. Now, is it the same? Is there a certain time period that can pass which would make a VBAC or a BAC more possible if a second time mother, pregnant person is wanting to give birth differently? So why we talk about this time interval between pregnancies is that we want your uterus or your womb to recover because obviously it's got sort of, you know, a scar on the front or the anterior wall. Um, and what the risk is, is when you go for a VBAC or a back is that you can have what's called uterine rupture where the scar breaks down. Now, the risk of this happening is very rare. It's sort of one in 200 is what we quote. But what we want to 
allow the uterus is to recover to its full extent. So that risk becomes really rare. Um, and so what we recommend for an interpregnancy interval, so that's between, you know, falling pregnant again, mm. is that you wait 12 months, try to conceive, and that your babies will then be 18 months apart or more. Okay. And the success rate, did you just say it was 60 to 70%? Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, it's, it's good. Quite punchy. It's, it's quite pretty, good. It's, yeah, really good. <laughs> I mean, it's more than 30%, so, you know, it's more than 50%. Um so yeah, that's that's really really interesting. Thank you so much. Um and to anybody who is deciding to or wanting to try and have a uh, a V-back second time round, good luck to you. Hope it all goes well. Are there any complications that can arise from having a V-back? Um, that are more common than maybe somebody that hasn't had a C-section in their first pregnancy or second? Yeah, so the big one, as I mentioned before, is obviously that scar on the uterus. Um, And so what we recommend in that uh, subsequent pregnancy and the labour is that in the labour itself, we monitor your baby's heart rate continuously. And so that's through, um, and for those women who have been on one of those machines before, it's a CTG machine where it sort of ticks away at the baby's heart rate. Those machines, you know, they are, you can get wireless ones. So you can still move around. You can still all do those wonderful things. But your baby's heart rate will be monitored. And that's from a safety aspect. Um, I guess in terms of any other risks, so we've talking about you know, the, the big risk, the elephant in the room. But actually, it, it, it's, it, it's more, you know, this is a woman's, I guess, the first time she pushes out a baby. So, you know, this is the thing. It's, it's working together as a team, helping support you. You know, it's all unfamiliar territory for some. Mm-hmm. And so it's really you know it's a teamwork in getting you there um, and performing everything safely and I guess let's talk about sizing because that can be quite a lot of the time why emergency c-sections happen um, and maybe elective c-sections happen Um, that sizing of a baby and there is the I think it's around 36 weeks we get a Another, so I think it's an optional ultrasound, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so in some hospitals, it's actually routine to do a 36-week growth scan for that very reason. And what they're trying to pick up on is more so babies that are small and undetectably, you know, growth restricted. But what you'll also find is actually it picks up on babies that are ginormous or, you know, ones you're like, whoa, whoa, this is quite big. So, yes, it, it can be that sometimes a baby and a mother's pelvis just don't seem to, you know, Get along. Uh, fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and so it's hard. We don't have the perfect tool yet to say, oh, yep, your baby's not going to fit you because everyone's pelvises are really differently shaped. And even small women can actually have quite adequate pelvises for a baby that actually someone tall might not have. Um, in labor, we always get a feeling for how things are fitting in that jigsaw puzzle because when we do our vaginal examinations, it, what we see is not only the cervix and how that changes, but the baby's head should just descend each time down. You know, obviously we get to the end stage, the baby should be lower. There's always signs that we watch for that things are not matching as well as they should. There's always that really uh, wonderful time in that ultrasound of the growth scam where they'll say, oh, big head, and you're like, yeah. fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. Oh, 98th percentile uh, head. Oh, wonderful. Great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Can't wait for that to come out. So, um, but also I have to say, Jess, and maybe you'll be irritated at me. I also think those growth sounds, yeah, they can't be that accurate because they were telling me my daughter firstborn was going to be tiny. They kept on being like, she's, they're really small. They're really small. Came out on the 50th centile and I had all this bloody stress in the last... 40, but four, in the last four weeks, you go, oh, God, I've got a tiny baby. What, what can I do about this? 
And actually, she was fine. So, I mean, it was, yeah. It's, they're not always the most accurate, are they? Well, I'll be kind to my colleagues. <laughs> okay, uh, go on then. <laughs> it, 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 no test is perfect. No test is perfect. But, I mean, it, it will obviously depend on the expertise of who's doing it. But also, yeah. you remember at the end, sometimes that baby's really low, so it's difficult to be really accurate. So I'll, I'll stand up for them. I'll let, you have, I'll let you have that one, uh, Dr. Jess. Um, but anyway, okay, so let's go on to 32 weeks. What's happening with the baby at this time? Are they supposed to be head down at this point? Are they still kind of moving around, somersaulting? What's going on? Yeah, so you are right. You know, is the baby head down? What happens if it head down? Like some women go, oh my God, it's head down. That means I'm ready to go. No, not at all. Uh, the baby can still move around a lot. And, you know, more commonly, once the baby sort of gets to head down at this stage in pregnancy, it might not necessarily flip back. And that's because the head's actually quite heavy at this point or the whole baby itself. And that's sort of the way it's, it, it positions. It makes sense. Um, but if your baby's not head down, please do not fret because there's still plenty of time for it to move around. Um, uh, the baby's a good size now. So they say, you know, roughly around this point, 1.7 kilos or more. So it's sort of like a big family roast, I guess, on a Sunday. I don't know. <laughs> Yes, I mean, <laughs> don't know how many people you're cooking for then. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, it's a good chunky size. Um, you'll be feeling lots of movements because obviously the baby's getting quite strong. You know, you're obviously looking quite pregnant. And what we find is, you know, this is where the baby's growing, growing. And obviously it will plateau in a few weeks to come. But there's still lots of growth going on. Okay. And how are our babies doing with kind of growth and development? Have they kind of developed? When are they kind of fully developed yeah so good question so at 32 weeks we actually know the brain is is really safe now so you know if we deliver babies sort of more so under 30 weeks or under 32 weeks we worry about that brain and how that brain will cope post-delivery and you know the the transport of oxygen around it and the risk of cerebral palsy once you've hit 32 weeks you the prognosis or the chances that your baby will do well are really really good so these babies are really well developed um what we've still got is an additional two weeks of the lungs so the lungs will still mature over the next two weeks time so if say you're a woman who's sort of sitting here listening and all of a sudden you go into labor today it may be that when you go into hospital what they will do the clinicians is to help your baby's lungs mature a little bit more is give you a steroid injection um, but that's sort of the main thing it's more you know those lungs and those final cells that need maturation the IQ interestingly will keep developing so if you can hold on to your baby a little bit more I always say every day counts um, because that will still you know help the icing on the cake at the end that's so reassuring though to know that kind of the brain is fully developed pretty much and so you know fingers crossed would be pretty yeah. guaranteed to have a viable birth by now so that's really oh, definitely, exciting definitely. Um, thank you so much Jess um, that's 32 weeks and we'll see you at 33 weeks fantastic thanks again thank you so much for listening if you are enjoying Is It Normal the Pregnancy Podcast we would love to hear from you review it if you fancy or you can just give it a little like or subscribe it all really really helps to build the community of other pregnant women that are going through this too hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com